How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Pod. We're back with some more takeaways from the last, the latest NBA action, and we're going to start with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, so uh, to me, uh, the Sacramento Kings have been the maybe the most surprising team uh, so far this NBA season. I know there are teams like the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks playing really well, but to be honest, I haven't really watched the Magic yet, and I think the Hawks have mostly just played bad teams so far, so yeah. I think they'll be good, but not too crazy about them. But with the Kings, they've had some really good wins. They've beat uh, Denver twice, and they went 1-1 one one against the Phoenix Suns, who I think we're going to talk about later in this episode. And the Kings just look really good. Mm-hmm. Uh Tyrese Halliburton uh, is a, a guy who I think is going to be in Rookie of the Year conversation. And I I think everyone should have known that he was going to be at least a very good player. Mm-hmm. He's such a smart player, such a great passer. It's really, I, I mean, it's just a joy to watch him pass the basketball because mm-hmm. uh, he just manipulates the defense so well. He makes the right read. Um, and he's just such a, he's a good defensive player as well. He can shoot the ball. He is just such a, a perfect piece to that help to help contribute towards a winning basketball. And I, again, I just love that. I saw a stat that, so he is, a, I believe he's like second in the NBA in fourth quarter minutes played. Really? And he has not missed a free throw or turned the ball over in the fourth quarter of the season. Wow. <laughs> So he has been amazing this season, and now that roster is healthy, Marvin Bagley is healthy, Darren Fox is healthy. Buddy Heald looks great. Uh, but Yeah, Buddy Heald looks great. Yeah. They're playing a very fun brand of basketball. Again, I don't know if this is a playoff team yet, but they're definitely a team that can be uh, in that uh, – play in conversation i think you know i I may have underrated them a bit coming into this season absolutely um they're really deep too i noticed that last year they had i believe eight guys averaging over 10 points per game at the end of the season and they picked up right where they left off obviously they lost bogdan but tyrese came in and he's averaging around 11 um so it's really like spread out scoring and really balanced offense which is kind of a necessity but Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, Jokic is starting up MVP conversations despite the Nuggets being one and three at the moment. What do you have to say about that? Uh, I, I mean, Nikola Jokic is another one of those guys who I absolutely love to watch. His passing is just truly incredible, and I mean, he's just one of the most unique and entertaining players in the league to me. I mean, some of the stuff he does is just absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, the passes he throws are just so audacious, and uh, they are really, they're, they're Larry Bird-esque. Yeah. Um, and again, the Nuggets, I, I think they'll get on ba- they'll get back on track. Uh, the problem with them has been their defense, which I think everyone kind of predicted coming into the season that uh, after losing um, Jeremy Grant yeah. and uh, Mason Plumlee, that their defense would be a, a struggle, and it absolutely has. I think they are 
they're ranked like dead last in defense or they're around the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that is the problem of having Nikola Jokic at center and playing Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and starting him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's still just a bad defensive player. Yeah. And I believe that they'll turn it up, right? The, the team is too good. I, I Mike Malone is too good of a coach to allow them to keep struggling so much on the defensive end. But uh, back to Jokic, if they can get maybe a top three or top two seed and really turn it around, I mean, with the numbers that he's going to put up and just the impact he has on that team, I think he should totally be in MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. It's hard for him not to be. The, I mean, his stat line's ridiculous right now. I mean, oh, yeah. he's I around mean, 22, 14, 14. Absurd. He's leading the league in assists per game, and he's a center. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I mean, just like go back and watch uh, his the pat like watch the the eighteen assists he had against the Rockets. Yeah, it's unreal. It's just so fun to watch. I, yeah, and they've finally gotten a little bit of production from Jamal Murray, the uh, bubble escapee who suddenly lost all his abilities as the regular season began, uh, following a concussion scare. He went on to drop 21, and if they can get him on track and get him anywhere close to his bubble magnificence, they'll be just fine. But until that happens, you can really feel the Jeremy Grant hole, and I'm sure it pains them to watch him, you know, explode for 30 in Detroit and lose, you know. But, I mean, he's spreading his wings in Detroit, man. I'm happy for him. I really am. He's shooting great. I mean... He's the, he's their guy, and the only problem is when Jeremy Grant's your guy, you know, that's why you're the Pistons, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not very good. No, definitely not. Um, neither are the Wizards, unfortunately. And this was, uh, this kind of took me by surprise because I was really adamant about the fact that Westbrook was going to raise the floor of that team. And Beal's playing great, obviously. He picked up right where he left off last year. But Russ has just been shooting terribly. I mean, he's still been averaging a triple-double, but it's a pretty inefficient one, as he's come to be known for. And they started off 0-4. Now, I'm not going to eliminate them from playoff contention in the East, but what I will say is that, based on the eye test, right, we're four games in, we can't really say too much about the standings, but we can kind of tell what looks good, what doesn't. And it was a clear oversight by me to not include the Pacers in the playoff conversation and slide the Wizards in ahead of them. That was not prudent at all, <laughs> given the fact that the Pacers look like one of the better teams in the East. I mean, they just split with the Celtics, who have been playing better as of lately. Still terrible on the defensive end, but we'll get to that later. But it's a really tough playoff window in the East, if you think about it. We've got six teams that are essentially locks, right? You've got Brooklyn, Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, and I'm missing one that would be a lock. Who am I forgetting? Um, did you say Miami? No, I did not. That, that's the one. So six teams that are locks, right? You'd assume, although Toronto could give us some question marks. That only leaves two spots up for debate. And with the Hawks playing the way they are, it looks like I'd probably slide in the Hawks and the Pacers at those bottom two seeds at the moment, maybe even higher mm-hmm. for the Pacers. Yeah, and to go back to the Wizards for a couple uh, – for a minute, um, their problem – is the same problem they had last year, right? Mm-hmm. They can't defend. Yeah. And this was the question I did have with Russell Westbrook's ability to raise a floor. 
he is an offensive floor raiser. If you look at what he did in OKC during his MVP years and or his MVP year, and when he was carrying these bad rosters mm-hmm. to playoff spots, they were good defensive teams. They had a lot of good defensive players, and he could carry the offense. Yeah. But the Wizards don't have this problem. And what Russ is not is he's not a ceiling raiser on offense. Yeah. So he's not going to take their offense to the next insane level and be one of the best offenses, you know, in the league or one of the best offenses, like, of all time. That's not what he's going to be able to do, especially when he's playing the way he is right now. Yeah. And, he again, he's not a great defensive player at all, and that was their biggest problem. So I think they'll definitely be better, but he might not be very good. Team mm-hmm. might, you know, again, we might have seen that Russell Westbrook trade and uh, and overrated what his impact on that team would be. I totally agree. Although he is, I mean, again, small sample size, but he's averaging 12 assists per game through the first four, which is kind of what you expect. So it's nothing crazy to see. And to go off of that, he's not really a ceiling raiser. He's more of a sponge in in the essence that while he'll put up absurd stats like usual, it's more so because he's just absorbing so much of the usage rate and not really, you know, elevating the play of the people around him as much as some other creators. You know what I mean? But I, I mean, I'd kind of disagree with the last point. I still think he's one of the best passers in the NBA, and he does definitely elevate his teammates around him. But not again. You're right about not to the level that uh, other guys do. Yeah. Um, his game doesn't really create for others indirectly as some other yeah, players yeah, do. He doesn't have any gravity because he can't shoot. Exactly. And that's kind of his ultimate limitation, I feel like, despite, you know, being a, the, you know, arguably the greatest athlete at point guard of all time and being an absurd passer, he just doesn't really carry that weight in like some other players do. Mm-hmm. Um, another nice surprise in the East has been the emergence of Sexland, um, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, who are forming a very undersized but nice guard tandem. Do we think that this is a viable strategy or... Are they just a little too vulnerable on the defensive end, given the fact that they combine for a height of about 12 feet? Uh, so I think it is a, a viable strategy in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't think they'll end up being a playoff team, although no, yeah. again, they're they're 3-1 right now and they look good, but I don't think their uh, their offense is going gonna, is gonna to keep up. And, and Kevin Love's set to miss about a month, I yeah, believe. That's that's a, that's gonna set him back quite a bit. Yeah. And again, I, I just don't think they're gonna be good enough defensively, especially because neither of these guys are great defenders, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at the other, you know, undersized backcourt in the NBA, uh, which is you know uh, the Kyle Lowry, Portland. and Fred Van Fleet, and Portland, which is a better. Court, yeah, I mean, Port, but Portland suffers the same issue. Exactly. Right? Is that yeah. They're not good on defense, but the one that's good on defense, the Raptors, is. Both Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are excellent defensive players. Mm-hmm. Or not excellent, but well, Kyle, Kyle Lowry is, is but, yeah. And Fred Van Vliet is pretty good. You really need, and that's a rarity. It's hard to find short guys who are good on the defensive end of the ball. Yeah. And neither uh, Sexton or Garland are that guy. Now, will they put up a lot of points and score a lot? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But do I think this is going to be conducive to you know, going far in the playoffs or, you know, even getting the playoffs this season. I don't think so, but 
they definitely have something fun going on in Cleveland for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of fun, the Suns look like one of the more well-rounded teams in the league. And they've really surprised people, as you mentioned previously, for their defense. Everyone knew their offense was going to be good, but what is it exactly about their defense that really sets them apart? Uh, for me, uh, the first thing I noticed is Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. He has been a great on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, in their opener, he was all over Luka, uh, you know, picking him up 75 feet mm-hmm. and really just frustrating him the whole game. And I was watching the game last night against uh, the Pelicans, and he did the same thing to Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Really just pestering him with his length and his effort on the side of the ball. And it's not just him. It's, you know, their wing rotation is just is very good, right, with, with Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson, who's a great shooter and can play some defense as well. And that's just such a valuable position to have, right? Mm-hmm. Having those great wing defenders is so valuable in the NBA. And then uh, put that next to Chris Paul, who we all know is a great defensive player, and Devin Booker, who's a much improved defensive player. Mm-hmm. And then you still have DeAndre Ian, who's made significant strides on that end and has the potential to be a very, very good defensive player. And you just have a team that is well-coached and has a bunch of solid pieces on that end and is just really turned into a really good team. They, yeah. I mean, they are just really good. One through five. I don't, don't, I don't know much more to say. Like, they're just a really good team. You can really see and re- understand the premium the league places on three and D players. When you look at the Suns, their, their ability to roll out three wings, that can all give you 40% plus from three and play solid defense. I mean, so many teams would kill for that because there's a lot of talented guards in the league and there's a solid amount of talented bigs, but oftentimes teams fall into this vacuum of wing talent. And honestly, I mean, even the Celtics, a team with two you know, all-star wings, fall into this problem. Because it's not really their starting wings that are ever the issue, but wing depth is such a problem. So to have three guys like that, I mean, they look like a legitimate contender. I think it's it's safe to say. I mean, again, very early. We'll have to reevaluate the standings, specifically like after 20 games. But the teams that they've played, I mean, what they did to the Pelicans last night, I still have the Pelicans making the playoffs, I'm going to be honest. They're making it hard on me, but... I still we'll think talk about them. I still think they they're a very promising team and it seems like they're just figuring things out, you know, new coach, but I mean the Suns dismantled them. You know what I mean? It wasn't even mm-hmm. close. And they're fully healthy. So it's uh they're going to be a they're going to be a threat in the West for sure. And I'm happy yeah. cuz Chris Paul deserves it, man. <laughs> Again, so far this season, I think they're looking like the third best team in the Western Conference behind the Clippers and the Lakers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're that good. I think they'll stay there too. Yeah, there's no reason for them not to be. I mean, at this point, they have you know everything you need. They've got a great center, right, making strides still. They've got veteran leadership and a great playmaker and ball handler and defender and Chris Paul. They've got a superstar in Booker, and then the wing depth again. That's like what every team's missing pieces. It feels like, you know, you look at teams and, like the Blazers, like starving for three and D guys, and even the bench. Uh, for that team has been pretty good. Like Dario Saric is a really is a good player. 
campaign who used to be one of the worst players in the NBA is playing legitimately good basketball now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just uh, Javon Carter is a guy I really like uh, who gives a ton of effort on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they they're just a good team. Uh, I I said it a million times. I'll say it again. I really like that the way they built this roster. Uh, Monty Williams doing a great job, and I really like the Suns this year. Yeah. Now, let's juxtapose the bright future Suns with the somewhat bright future Hawks. They're 3-0, and but they beat the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Grizzlies. Are we buying into the Hawks hype, even though, I mean, given how well Trey is playing right now? Uh, yes and no. Um, now, they have been very good, um, but... I do think they are going to come down to earth. Uh, uh, every single person on uh, in their rotation, other than uh, John Collins, is shooting above league average from three. Quite frankly, this is just not going to continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hate to break it to you, Hawks fans. Um, obviously, they made a bunch of improvements on that uh, on with shooting, which was a huge struggle from this year, but. Not everyone in their uh, lineup is going to be knocking down threes like crazy, um, and I think they're they they will drop uh, a little bit. Obviously, they're not going to go undefeated this year, and they have played some pretty bad teams. Mm-hmm. But their their improvements are obvious, right? Yeah, they are definitely a much improved team. I'm still very worried about their defense. Yeah, uh, it's just it's not going to be very good. Like. Uh, with Trey Young, which is the downside of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they're looking a lot better than the Wizards are. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they're definitely uh, definitely a, the favorite to me to grab that last spot in the playoffs mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Raptors are off to kind of a tough start. There's currently, I believe, three teams in the East that are winless. And one team in the West, that's winless. In the West, it's the Rockets. In the East, it's the Raptors, the Pistons, and the Wizards. They started off with a decently difficult schedule. I believe they had to play in San Antonio, and then they had to host the Sixers. but And they lost to the Pelicans on opening night. Um, but is, is, this, is this really a problem? Is the Siakam focus of this offense going to really be their downfall? Because... I mean, I'm going to be honest. Last night, or they, they played the Sixers last night. He did not look great. And to have so much emphasis placed on him as the centerpiece in this offense, I mean, I've been saying it ever since the uh, the semis. He's got no bag. He really does. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to really be a problem because they think he's their guy. Yeah, I mean, he has not been very good this season. You know, just mm-hmm. simple as that. He has not been very good this season. And uh, this is a team that has been terrible when Kyle Lowry has been off the court. A very you know, old just... Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, again, uh, I'm sure for now they are getting used to having two new big men, right? They lost Ibaka and um, Marcus Gasol mm-hmm. and replaced him with Boucher, who has been very good yeah. this year, and Aaron Baines, who is doing Aaron Baines things. But they still need to just get better and again i'm sure that i trust nick nurse enough that this team is gonna improve a lot Mm -hmm. 
and there there's no reason why this team would be like so much worse than they were last season unless um, the siakam regression is real and what we saw in the bubble was foreshadowing what this regular season will look like to some extent because if that's at all the case then they're screwed but i, I can't yeah, i can't I mean, count I on that you know I just can't. I just don't think that you know a player can massively regress in in a regular season. Like it's yeah, one thing yeah. for them to play worse in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just strange for me that they would be terrible in the regular season after they had a struggling playoffs, especially for a pretty young player like Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Um. So I I just don't see him continuing to be this bad. And he is the key to them being good uh, this regular season. And again, I, I trust Pascal Siakam. I don't really trust him, but I trust <laughs> Nick Nurse. Yeah. I trust Kyle Lowry. Uh, I just trust that roster to get it together and you know eventually you know get up into the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about them. Drop a couple more games and I might be, but yeah, they'll get it together soon. I mean, if they, I mean, if they start off like zero and six, you know, there's yeah, some then we got some problems. Fire but... alarms going off, but then I mean, I saw a lot of Raptors fans on Twitter, uh, really passionate about trading for Harden after last night's loss, and I wasn't really sure if they were even the right team that should be trading for Harden. You mentioned Philly, looks like they're in better need. What do you have to say about that? Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely do think that uh, Philly should trade for James Harden. You know, yep. I, I was a little bit hesitant uh, right before the season began because I'm a big Ben Simmons guy. I, I really do believe in Ben Simmons, but I just don't believe in the marriage of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. It comes down to that, like. Ben Simmons has not been great this season. They got blown out by what, like thirty points, by by Sexland yeah. when uh, when Embiid didn't play. Yep, and he just didn't have the aggressiveness that you need when your other top player is out. Uh, he only had like like eleven. He did not, you know, he didn't shoot the ball a ton that game. Uh, I'll try to pull up the pull it up right now, but. It, he just he isn't the right fit and they need that go-to score in the half court yeah and that's exactly what James Harden brings to that team and they trade for James Harden I mean that team is deadly yeah I think and you know talk about James Harden he has been unbelievable this season on an 0-2 team <laughs> I know I yeah I th- he has a 131 defensive rating right now which is uh hilariously bad yeah but um, that wouldn't happen in 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 Philly, but no, yeah. Uh, like they just, I think they need him. I really do, and uh, it just, it just makes sense, you know. Yeah, it really Bring does. Bring him back to Daryl Morey. Uh, you know, even though I love the the fit with James Harden and Christian Wood, who has been fantastic this year as well oh, yeah. on the offensive end, at least. Um, but him and Embiid would be really great. Just such an unstoppable duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think Philly, if they want to be a real contender, they need to make that deal. I totally agree. Although I think that 
one thing that might be a roadblock in this scenario is Houston's interest in seeing what they have on the floor. Although I don't know if I take Houston seriously as an organization that really wants to push for a title. I just, I'm not sure. That's the biggest question mark for me. I feel like there's a lot of speculation about whether or not they're really trying to give Harden the best fit. But in their defense, we haven't seen him on the floor with Boogie and Wall yet. You know, it's, I mean, the jury's still out on that, but I think there is some potential there. And it's at worth, it's at least worth seeing. Um, but it just in the back of my mind, given the talent that Harden's had in the past, which hasn't always been great, but he's had some quality in teammates. Years it has been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like from 2018 on, it's been pretty solid. Although you could argue that Westbrook was like, you know, pretty counterproductive for their roster. But just in general, it seems like he really needs to be paired with someone like Embiid, like another authority figure. And I'm not sure if they have that. But, I mean, possibly through the combination of John Wall giving you like 18 per game, Eric Gordon in the 14 to 16 range, Christian Wood over 20, Boogie maybe averaging a double-double, that seems like it could be a decent, you know, rotation. It really does. I mean, if if the Rockets keep James Harden, they are probably, you know, a top-five seed in the West. Really? You like, think so? Even, I mean, with assuming that that's because of Wall and Boogie? I mean... I think it all comes down to their defense, but maybe maybe top five. But they have James Harden, and I believe in his just incredible offensive talent mm-hmm. to win you a lot of games. Yeah, and it comes down to that. And with the rest of the talent on that roster, like Christian Wood has been so good this year. Yeah, he's I mean, he's, he's gonna run away really with most flashes improved player, of being an elite possibly. offensive center or elite offensive big man. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that team would definitely. Uh, be a playoff team if they if they keep James Harden, which I don't think they end up they will because I mean if they get the Ben Simmons offer they have to take that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I mean Ben Simmons and Christian Wood would be a fun pairing too. And mm, Christian yeah. Wood's a young guy, so they might view him as like more of a a stability piece and a building block for the future, which is very strange. But they definitely they definitely got a steal in him. Um. Now, I feel like we've gone around the league pretty much covering all the major headlines. Is there anything else you want to brush on before we get into the Celtics and Lakers? Uh, I actually want to talk about the Pelicans Okay. Uh, for a minute. So, uh, you talked about them as you still think they're going to be a playoff team, but I don't know. I think that roster has some serious problems. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't have the shooting. You know, yeah. it was the concern before the year, but they just do not have the shooting. They have, like, two guys that teams don't want shooting threes. They have J.J. Redick and Brandon Ingram. And the only people. sort of Lonzo. Yeah, sort of Lonzo, but teams will let Lonzo shoot, right? He's a good shooter, but he's not like going to kill you from that three-point line. And yeah. That that. Paint is just so clogged for Zion, and uh, the, even though their defense has been very good, Zion is still not good on that end of the ball. Yeah, his help defense and his weak side defense is still atrocious. Um, and he really needs to improve for that team to be a very, very good team on the defensive end. And I just don't. They they need to either start JJ Redick. 
or trade Eric Bledsoe for someone who can shoot. Like, yeah, they just need more spacing on that on that team to really succeed and be a good offensive team because they have so much talent. Yeah, Brandon that's Ingram has been amazing this year. His step forward as a playmaker has been great to see. He's playing good defense this year, and he's going to be a special player in this league. But when you don't have the right pieces and you just don't have spacing, which is just so important in the modern NBA, mm-hmm. you're not going to win a ton of games. It's just as simple as that. And they haven't. You know, they've, they're off to a sort of a rough start. You know, beat some bad teams, got slaughtered by some good ones. So the problems are definitely surfacing. And I think a lot of people obviously overreacting because we're only four games into the season, but still people are speculating that maybe Lonzo isn't really the missing, you know, like the the key to this team if Brandon Ingram can take leaps as a playmaker. I mean, Lonzo's going to hit the market this offseason. And he really... I can't tell if he needs to shoot more or less because he's off to a really rough start with his shooting splits. But at the same time, he's got the ability to shoot, you know, 38 to 40% from three if he could. So I'm really, I feel like they need to figure out what he's going to contribute to the team because so often it feels like his best skills aren't even being utilized. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lonzo I, I, is still one of the uh, the weirdest players in the NBA. I still love him, but... yeah. Yeah, he's not. He's a unique player at, where he's not like. He's not a great half court point guard because he doesn't take. He's not a very aggressive. Uh, he doesn't take the ball to the hoop extremely aggressively. Yeah. And he really loves to play hot potato with the basketball, which is usually a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's a great extra passer and stuff like that. But sometimes he's too pass first, too timid almost. You know? Yeah, too, yeah, that's a that's a good word for it. Now, he's still very good on the defense. He's still great on defense, and he's such a great transition player as well. Yeah. But the Pelicans aren't utilizing transition as much as I think they should be. When you have a team like this who is not uh, very good at shooting and you have Lonzo and Zion, you should be running as much as you possibly can. Yeah. I, I'm, and they're not. They're not, you know, running up and down the floor this year. Uh, and... I guess that falls on uh, Sam Van Gundy, uh, who has been playing great defense, which I have to give him credit for that. But you got, he's got to know that uh, the strength of his team is in transition. He's got to start letting them play more up-tempo. Yeah, because uh, they, they to, can't keep pace. It's yeah, as simple as that. To, to be able to score the ball more, right? Yeah. That's, a big, that's a big thing that they need to do. And it also, watching the Suns game last night, it felt like once they got in a hole – they really couldn't play from behind. You know, they kind of lack some veteran leadership in the sense that they don't have a veteran on the court who's going to have the ball in his hands. You know, for the most part, it's Brandon Ingram looking a little panicked and overwhelmed. Lonzo not really doing too much. And, you know, Bledsoe just being Bledsoe. It, it seems like they're just so close to being a very complete team and at the same time so far. And mm-hmm. to add to that, Watching the paint with Steven Adams and Zion is so frustrating because, I mean, I, I'm i still not high on that acquisition. I really thought that, and I still do, that like the, the missing piece for them would be getting a stretch five and you know being able to rely on them. Obviously, that's every team's dream, but um, with the fact that Zion's like right next to Steven Adams so often gives them some problems and... 
I don't know. Steven Adams just hasn't been good enough for me to validate his presence on the floor. I've never been a big Steven Adams guy for that reason, but he just seems like a paint clogger. He really does. I mean, he, he is, but he, I, I still think he would be, he would be less of a problem if they had great shooters around uh, Zion. Like they, yeah. they just need to play JJ Redick in the starting lineup. <laughs> That's my big concern. Yeah. Uh, but they'll, they'll need more than that. Right. Exactly. But, That's the thing. You can't really fall back on 37 year old JJ Redick. No. You know, I mean, I, I mean, how many minutes are they really going to play him in the regular season? Who's, who's to say, but I mean, I'm sure he's probably in the twenties right now. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Probably about then, because he's coming off the bench. So. Yeah, and it's just like you can't put that much weight on a guy that old, as much as we like JJ Redick. Um, all right, so that wraps up our league spin arounds. Now to dive into the Celtics analysis, it's been four games. They're two and two. They look okay, but one thing that's been really surprising for the Celtics team that was top three in defensive efficiency last year. Just a, fourth, but yeah. Fourth, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> but just in general, a tremendous defense. Um, per 100 possessions, their defensive rating is 115. and That is extremely bad. Yes, last year that would have been dead last um, on the season. They would have finished last. So it's, it's really strange, too, because they came out with this lineup with Tice at the four, Thompson at the five, and everyone's immediate reaction was, oh, this is going to be such a great defensive lineup. Wrong. It's been really bad. And, I mean, with Pritchard in the mix and getting big minutes, it's, it's been hurting their defense, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, because he's been playing great. Um, and that's been the silver lining in their start. But it's just really strange watching the defense be so bad because Kemba's out. You know, I really expected this lineup with a bunch of, you know, dudes with stones for hands to just be really playing lockdown defense. But it's like whenever they're in the half-court setting – they can't really they can't really play great on-ball defense, which is that's why it's so surprising for me. It's like Marcus Smart's the only guy who's doing a good job hounding his guy. And that's the exact opposite um like dichotomy of this team or philosophy of this defense. It's always been like aggressive on-ball defense, you know. But it's just it's it's really strange and I hope they figure it out because the offense the offense also has its limitations. Um, and it's, it's, it's really weird. I'm not sure what's going yeah, on. The, the other thing I'll say about the Celtics is that, uh, another one of their biggest strengths, uh, for the last couple of years has been their transition defense. Mm-hmm. And that has not been good this year. Yeah. No. At all. Uh, it just has been bad, which is a big deal, uh, for a team that again, has been so good in that area. And again, I don't know exactly, you know, the big, the biggest problem with the Celtics, but again, they still don't have great rim protection either. Yeah. Again, even though they got bigger, neither Tice or Tristan Thompson are rim protectors. That's just mm-hmm. not what they're good at on the defensive side of the ball. So that's still a big problem for them. And the other thing I will say is that I think a big reason why their defense has been so bad is because they have played great teams almost only. Yeah, that right? is true. They've played uh, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Pacers twice who are all going to be playoff teams with pretty good offenses, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the Nets. So, again, I'm not crazy concerned about their defense. And their offense has been good, but I also think it is due to regress a little bit. Uh, 
Jalen Brown is currently shooting a seventy percent from mid on mid range jump shots. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, but that is uh, not going to continue. No, but his <laughs> mid range game has been incredible. Oh it's yeah, been it's been such a joy to watch, honestly. And combining that with the leap he's taken as a playmaker, and if you're still in the trade JB camp, I don't know what to tell you, man. I think he has so much left in his game that's just has we haven't even seen yet. And I mean, there's always those Celtics fans who think that, you know, Jalen Brown's better than Jason Tatum. And he's been showing flashes of that. I mean, the I would say the the key distinguishing factor on offense has been the fact that Tatum seems like he was making progress as a playmaker when Jalen Brown couldn't at all last season. But Jalen Brown, that's no longer the narrative. You know, he's passing well. He's making good reads. He's running the pick and roll. And if those things continue to happen, they'll be just fine. Um, And they look really good when the two of them are on the floor together. I wouldn't say they look like contenders with those two on the floor, but they look like a team very close to contention and, uh, you know, a team that's one all-star point guard away from contending. And that's exactly the situation they find themselves in. In the meantime, Teague, he started off really well from three, but I'm not sure if you've noticed, he's currently... He sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been telling you that for a while. Jeff Teague sucks. Yeah. So no, he's been really bad. hype about him, he's trash. <laughs> I mean, all right, that was, that was a little aggressive. He's been off the mark on two-point shots is what I was about to say. But yeah, I mean, I think he's also... The, the good thing is Teague is frustrated with his play. You know, he's not like an apathetic player, and I think he, he cares. So, I'm yeah. I think you I, – I don't know. I'm expecting a little bit more from him, but – I mean, yeah, he's been dreadful, right? Yeah, he's he has. Playing, so, he'll get better. But, uh, again, I still think you've expected too much of him because I just do not think he's a very good player at all. But Yeah, he. I mean, um, he fooled a lot of people with his opening night performance for sure, but yeah. – and his great shooting in the preseason as well. Yeah, starting off like 9 for 9 from 3. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, looks can be deceiving. One thing that hasn't been deceiving has been Pritchard's play on offense. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because this is a team with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, you know, guys that in general need the ball in their hands and will do great things with the ball in their hands. But Brad Stevens said he wants Pritchard to handle the ball more. Uh, this past weekend that's what he said and sure enough Pritchard was handling the ball very well and I would say that last night Pritchard's play in the half court was what led them to the comeback over the Pacers 100% yeah and it's it's very it's very nice to see I mean Pritchard everyone in Boston sold on him already but he just looks like the next you know the next great Celtics draft pick who's going to stick around for a long time be loved by fans and contribute so he's I mean 10 5 and 5 last night playing in the final five minutes of the game with the best five which is just crazy to me that Brad's putting him in those situations but he's uh he's been playing great and that's really huge yeah. for them yeah let's go Ducks absolutely uh, but yeah I think yeah Pritchard has been great I mean he's still again he's not very good on defense but yeah he has been a spark for what they need on offense uh, with Kemba out, especially. Mm-hmm. And again, at six foot one, he's never going to be good on defense. You know, that's just kind of what you yeah, have to he, expect. He has a, a a very clear ceiling as a player. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be good enough to be a, a starting point guard on a really good team, but he'll be a he can be a great great bench piece for them for a while. 
Yeah, but also, I mean, he is, he's just so young. You never know with some people. I think there's a lot of... He's 22. Yeah, just in terms of his playing experience, I mean, like, he's, I mean, he's been in the league for four games, so whether or not he can be a starter, I wouldn't rule him out, um, especially if he's going to be starting on the Celtics, you know, in two or three years. I could, I mean, that's it's not the most unlikely scenario, but yeah, he, he definitely has, um, he has a limit to his, his powers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, Lakers takeaways from the first four games. Yeah, so, uh, I mean... They've just been, they've looked lethargic, mm-hmm. you know, like... Championship uh, hangover. Yeah, uh, uh, on opening night, you know, I already talked about that, but uh, in the last, uh, it's been three games, they've played three games since we last quarter, so, you know, they looked great all around against Dallas. They absolutely murdered, murdered Dallas mm-hmm. and Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the, the first thing I, I took away from... The Minnesota game is that uh, Marcus All still has it. You know, really? there are questions about whether he is completely washed after his poor, pretty poor play in uh, the game in the in the playoffs uh, playoff series against Boston, especially. Mm-hmm. And he did not play well uh, in the first game, and his stats didn't look good in the second game. But I thought he played well. Uh, but against Minnesota, he was absolutely like he was fantastic. Like, yeah. there was a point in the game where. Basically, every the entire offense was give the ball to Marcus All at the top of the key and let him throw a dime to a cutter, mm-hmm. and they scored on like five straight possessions on that exact thing. And his defense, even against Portland last night, was really good. Or that sorry, not last, two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, was really really good when they went into that. They started trapping uh, at the pick and roll, and his defense was great. And his shooting has has uh, it's been good. Came around and he hit like three threes. He had a he had a three from like thirty feet against the <laughs> against the Timberwolves. Yeah. So he has been really good. Uh, I love what I've seen from him recently. Um, Dennis Schroeder has been so good. Uh, at least he was against Portland. He's going to be such a good player. Um, mm-hmm for the Lakers. And the thing that surprised me most about him is how good he's been on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He gives so much effort on that side of the ball. And it's really a joy to see a, a guy his size be able to play such good defense because of his quickness, because of his his just effort. T- yeah, the tenacity. End. I mean, he's always just been yeah, like a exactly. feisty guy, but exactly. you can see it on the court. He's, a, he's just such a good scorer. He's got that mid-range pull-up down, and he's really uh began finishing at the rim well mm-hmm. so i really like what i see from this team and the biggest problem is that anthony davis has just not been good so far yeah like, which is not anthony a concern davis has been know? not very good so far right and they are two and two and they've won multiple games by like 25 points yeah so the lakers when he they're the one team decides in the standings. to snap out of it which i have a feeling He's going to snap out of it tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. And I still yeah. think part of his bad performance against the Blazers had something to do with his calf injury. Mm-hmm. Um, because at first, I, I originally thought that was just an excuse for him to sit out a game because didn't, they didn't want to play back-to-backs. Yeah, But he just did not look explosive at all in the game uh, against Portland. And he's just not... Uh, put in good effort uh, 
he's just looked bad, which is weird because he was a guy who I thought was going to be the MVP yeah. coming into the season. Of course, we're only four games in. Can't rule Hopefully him out. We'll turn it around, but, you know, he just hasn't been very good. And uh, I think the craziest Anthony Davis stat I've heard is that he's played like 100 minutes and he hasn't recorded a block yet this season. Like, yeah. Anthony Davis does not have a block this season. That seems more just, like an effort thing, you know? That's where I, I feel I really feel is. the championship hangover. And a lot of their defensive problems that they have had have a lot of it just because uh, Anthony Davis didn't rotate and contest a shot at the rim. Yeah. You know, especially when you are playing with guys like Montres Harrell and Marcus Gasol, who as much value as they add in other areas. They are not great rim protectors. Yep. That's not what they do. So he really needs to put in that effort on the defensive side of the ball for this Lakers team to be very good in the regular season. I mean, obviously they're going to be good in the regular season, right? But if they want to be the best team in the NBA, he needs to start playing great defense right now. Yeah. Simple as that. But honestly, I mean, the NBA season is so long, you know, expecting yeah. him to fill that role for a whole season. It's not. I mean, it's not a tall ask, really, and that's the reason yeah, I, mean, I would it's say. He's done every other year of his career. Exactly. So, so that's why I, I will say, like, as much as it's fun to talk about, like, you know, the Kings off to a hot start and stuff, I feel like the law of averages will be more, um, more apparent. You know, again, like twenty games from now, yeah. and we'll probably look back and be like, yeah, you know, what? the Magic suck. <laughs> like <laughs> they just suck, man. You know, all these all these miracle four and zero starts to the season. It's really hard to disseminate, just given what we have, but. Again, the eye test has been good, and you can definitely tell that the Lakers have everything, and they just really need to, like, do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they – again, I, I feel weird talking about the Lakers because I just, like – so much talk, like, this team is stacked, and yeah. they are just – they're not trying too hard right now. Yeah. You know, like, in their wins against bad teams – or actually, they, they destroyed the Mavericks, who are a pretty yep. good team, but uh, – like, they have had flashes of looking incredible – and other times when they just look terrible, right? So, mm-hmm. again, four games in the season, I'm looking at the times where they look great. And when they look great, they're showing the upside that I, you know, thought they had coming into the season. Yeah, and that's the type of team you expect to see in the playoffs. And I'm sure we'll get to see in the playoffs, which is why, um, I mean, you're, you're again, dealing with an embarrassment of riches in, in the Lakers. So, I wouldn't be too concerned about them at all. And... With that, um, we pretty much run through everything, right? Any uh, yeah, any last comments or observations? Nope. All right. Well, with that, we'll end. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back in a few days with a little bit more insight, hopefully.